Your identity in Christ is something that we is extremely important. And every time I preach, my wife says, don't do this. But I do it anyway because I'm just being honest. I don't think I preach this very well. Um, This is a profound topic, and I don't think that I really can give it what it's due. And both of my messages, the message I preached last week and the message I'm getting ready to preach, they went right to Sunday morning and me wrestling with it and trying to be able to come up with what I really felt like was good to say. But uh, this is a really important topic because I think our identity, who we are, determines our behavior. In fact, I don't think that. I know that. Um, uh, who, who we feel like we are, where we get our self-worth, where we, where we get validation determines our behavior. And, and I, I use this example every single time I talk about this because it's the best one I know and because I know it's true. Somewhere last night in Dayton, Ohio, a 15, 16, or 17-year-old girl lost her virginity, okay? And she lost her virginity because her identity was in that 18 or 19 or 20-year-old boy, or her identity was within her 15, 16, and 70-year-old friends who couldn't believe she was still a virgin. That happens all the time. That is an identity issue. We can just be harping on sex before marriage and all that kind of stuff and teenage pregnancy, and, and that's fine. But the root of that is an identity issue because identity determines behavior. I told you last week, the very first beer I ever drank was an identity issue for me because I wouldn't tell these guys that were offering me this Pat's Blue Ribbon beer in the backseat of a 67 Chevelle. I was, it would have been very cool to say no. It would have been uncool to say no. And my identity was in Phil Hampton and Chuck Mattingly. I told you the first time I ever cussed in my life was an identity issue. A guy wanted me to cuss him out because he hit a bad shot on a golf course. I never cussed for in my life. But I didn't want him to think I wouldn't cuss and didn't want to cuss. I'm raised in a Christian home. What kind of a nerd did he think I was? Identity determines behavior. And you all can think of things in times in your life where you did things just to please somewhere else. In fact, I, I would say this. I jumped off the bridge at Lake Harrington, at Harrington Lake, in, in, um, uh, uh, right outside of Danville, Kentucky. It was about the most stupid. I mean, I, could, I dislocated my shoulder. And, but I just did it because everybody else was doing it. You know, and we skipped school one day and went to Lake Harrington and climbed out on this bridge. And, and, and on, the, on the big iron parts of the bridge and jumped off. Man, it was stupid. But everybody else was doing it. It was an identity issue for me. It was an identity issue. For me, and identity determines behavior, and and I don't think very many people know that. It's not because you're stupid. It's because I don't think we really process that too much. And I can I, I can think in my life things that I didn't know were identity issues, but I look back on them then, and they're identity issues. In fact, most of the d- dumbest things I've done in my life were identity issues. I was on the, I was I was on the top of. Phil Hampton, 76 Chevelle, going down Pine Bloom Drive in Lexington, Kentucky, residential area, 70 miles an hour, going downhill. I was on top of the hood, holding on like this. Why did I do that? Because Chuck and Philip had just done it. 
Why did we, just, why did we drive 80 miles an hour on Military Pike at 12 o'clock at night with our lights off? It was dumb. But we thought it was cool. It's identity issues. And a whole lot of things in our lives are identity issues. So three or four years ago, the girl came in my office. She wasn't a girl. She was a young lady. And she was upset that no guys were interested in her. And I was talking to her about some Christian things. And basically, it came down to identity issues. And she wasn't feeling, <coughs> feeling like she was significant because she didn't have a boyfriend. And, and so I was talking to her basically about identity issues. And here's a direct quote after I gave her all of my pearls of wisdom about identity issues. She says, well, what good is all that if I don't have a boyfriend? <laughs> Where was her identity? Sue wants my identity to be in Christ first. Sue wants me to love God more than I love her because if I do that, our marriage will be okay. I tell my boys that I, I, I put my relationship with my wife over them. And they, there's security there because they know that if Mark and Sue, mom and dad are okay, they'll be secure and okay. You know, um, on my Facebook page, I ha you're not going to be able to see this very, very good. Um, Oh, that's not, that's not my face. Put the other one up there. <laughs> she made it look better than it is. Put the other one up there. It's the real deal. Huh? Oh, my goodness. All right, on my Facebook page, if you look on my face, and we just did that because I took a picture of my Facebook page and it looked all blurry and all that. But when you have your bio, you know, I, I put that up there, and I'm not trying to Jesus juke you and think how, how spiritual I am and how unspiritual you are because you don't have that. I'm just trying to constantly remind myself what is important in my life, and that's something I've got to ingrain in me, okay? And so my profile picture is Krispy Kreme donuts, by the way, and, and then I, there's my identity, but I have... But I have problems, I struggle in keeping them in that order. I was teaching a class on Tuesday night. I've been teaching pastors now for 16 years, and Tuesday night I was teaching preaching class to 11 pastors on this district, and, and or uh, some pastors, some um, prospective pastor students. And so, uh, first thing, one of the first things we did was go around the room and everybody introduced themselves, as you do in a lot of classes. And so I said, hey, take 30, second, 30 seconds or one minute and give us real quickly, let us know who you are. And so we ran around the table right here. Start with this guy right here. And he went around the table. And, and to a man and to a woman, when they told us about themselves, they told us what they did for a living. Hey, I'm the first person right here. I'm John Doe, and I'm the youth pastor at da-da-da-da-da. I look at him, I said, do you have a wife? Do you have kids? Well, yeah. I said, well, why didn't you say that? And then even when I kind of, and I embarrassed him because I knew him. And even, even when I kind of embarrassed him, everybody else repeated the same thing. They, 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 every single person, when they had 30 seconds to one minute to tell us who they were, 
every one of them defaulted to what they did, male and female. And then it came down to me as the last person as I went around the table, and I just, I just said, and I, I did it just a little bit to make a point, but I didn't make a point of what I was doing. I just did it and went on to something else. I said, well, my name is Mark Atherton. I was, became a Christian August 29th, 1993. I've been married to Sue since November 18th, 1995. We have a 17-year-old and 15, Christopher and Levi, and I pastor Zenia Church. Now, I wasn't trying to be super-duper spiritual. I wasn't trying to Jesus juke anybody and say, you ought to be like me. I was just, again, trying to teach myself, this is who I am. I am not what I do. But all 11 people, and there was, I think there were eight guys and three females, every single one of them. And that's okay. I mean, I'm not putting them down for that because I don't think we think about this too much. But if you've got 30 seconds to tell somebody about yourself, what do you tell? Who are you? And I think everyone in here who is a Christian would agree that as we describe the things that are important in our life, that you would put that Christian first and you would put that above your marriage and above your kids and above what you do. But we struggle to communicate that. And when we default real quickly and the spotlight is on us in a 30-second time frame in a class to say who we are, we just say, I'm the youth pastor at West Carroll Nazarene. And I wonder, while that's not a worst thing in the world, but I wonder how that works out in our lives because identity determines behavior. It really, really does. Uh, I want to land on three scriptures today, and they are the only scriptures, uh, three verses, the only times that the word Christian is used in the Bible. Uh, most of the time in the New Testament, when the Bible refers to Christians, they call them disciples. Now, that's a whole other sermon, and that's important. But there's only three times that they are called Christians. Okay, and one of those uh, is in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And the disciples were at Antioch. There was persecution, and so the disciples, they scattered, and they went to Antioch. So for a whole year... Barnabas and Saul met with the church at Antioch and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The first time that any group of disciples had ever been called by the name Christian was in Antioch. Now, what does that word Christian mean? And to know what it means, you just can't say, well, what does it mean in Xenia, Ohio? You've got to go back and see what Luke meant when he wrote that word. And so that means I've got to go back to the Greek New Testament. And when you go to the Greek New Testament, you have these words, Jennifer. Okay? It's Christianos is the way that that word gets transliterated into English. And Christos is the first part of that, and it literally means Messiah. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's his title. Jesus the Christ, which means Jesus the Messiah. Obviously an Old Testament reference. And then the suffix there is, 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 a little, is a little suffix that means I'm part of this group, I'm part of this gang, or I'm part of this crowd. I'm one of, like I'm an Ohioan, 
I'm a Kentuckian. I'm a Californian. It means I identify with people from Ohio. I identify with people from Kentucky. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So if you're going to put Christian here, and I'm not, the point of this message is for you not to go change your Facebook bio, okay? If, if you did that, you'd probably be doing it because I told you to do it, and that means your identity might be in me, and that's really, really bad, okay? Now, if you feel like God wants you to change that, go change it all you want to. But if, if we really believe that if we're going to list the different roles we play in our life and Christian comes first, what does that mean? We play a lot of different roles in life. We have a lot of different hats we wear. But what is true in all of those roles? If I'm a Christian, if I'm a father, if I'm a husband, if I'm a pastor, if I'm this and if I'm that, what is true in all of those roles? What is the constant in all of those? As I read, one man said, what is your truest self? Where do you get your validation? Where do you get your self-worth? That'll tell you a lot about where you get your identity. Do you realize something I thought of this week? No, I thought of it before then, but I I just remembered it this week. Um, Every I think, if you would think through this, every lie we've ever told was an identity issue. Because most of the lie we've told in life was to look better to the person we're talking to. Because most of the lies that we've told in life were so we could look better to the person that we're talking to. That's an identity issue. You knew God didn't want you to lie. But at that moment, my identity was not as a Christian first. My identity as a Christian got moved back somewhere, and my identity as whatever got moved up. So maybe I lied to my boss. My boss wanted to know if I got that work done or whatever that was. At that moment, what my boss thought of me was more important than what God thought of me. That was an identity issue. An identity issue for me. So if we're going to identify as Christians, they're first called Christian in Antioch, what does that mean to be a Christian? It means, it, it means that you identify with Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, you hear a lot of people talk about God. A lot of people will talk about God this, God that. Blake Shelton, you know who Blake Shelton is? Blake Shelton's a country singer. He's also a, um, a judge on the, what's that show? The Voice. Okay. Oh, he's also a judge on The Voice. Well, I just read a few days ago that, that Blake Shelton is really getting serious about God in his life. And it's interesting, the one he's getting serious with is his girlfriend that he left his wife for. You see, what I'm trying to say is there's, and, and, and there, there's a certain selection of people that say I'm being real judgmental there. I'm not being judgmental, I'm just talking about what the Bible says a Christian is. And it's really cool and easy for me to say, well, I'm getting really getting into God, and God is becoming more important to me. But this thing, can you understand this? This thing is not about God. It's about who God sent. Because in the book of James, the Bible says that the demons believe in God.
and they shudder. The demons, the devils aren't atheists. They believe. So it's not some just belief in God that saves you. It's got to be deeper than that. And it's got to be aligning with the one that God has sent. And there is forgiveness found only in the one that God has sent. And I can believe that there is a God, but if I don't believe that His Son Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, I can still believe in Him, and it does me no eternal good. Now that's, you know, Bible says, Bible calls preaching foolishness. That's a really foolish thing that I just said. Amongst the world, I would just get laughed at and be called a buffoon. But the Bible said it's through the foolishness of preaching that people are saved. The demons believe in God. If you're called a Christian, means you you identified lock, stock, and barrel with the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is the name that is above all names. He is the name that separates the men from the boys. He is the one that we will bow to and confess as Savior and Lord. This whole life that we call the Christian life is lock, stock, and barrel about the person of Jesus. And isn't it difficult for that name to come off of our lips? And isn't it easy for just to be able to say the generic name God and a lot more difficult for that name of Jesus to come off of our lips? In fact, it comes off of our lips in a cursing way in the break room probably more than it comes off our names when we're talking about who we identify with. A whole lot of people can talk about God. Very few people can talk about what Jesus has done for them. And for you to call yourself a Christian, the disciples were first called Christian at Antioch. For you to call yourself a Christian, it means you identify lock, stock, and barrel with the person of Jesus Christ, which means you know that there came a time in your life you knew you were lost and needed to be saved. And Jesus was the one that the Father had sent. And hope and trust and put in that name, that name, we sang it, that beautiful name. What does it mean to have Christian first on your Facebook bio? Or more importantly, having Christian first in your identity? It means that your identity is lock, stock, and barrel wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. They were first called disciples at Antioch, excuse me, they were first called Christians at Antioch, which probably meant there was some kind of difference that these people were making, which means that it's not only a a doctrinal belief in Jesus and what he did, it's being disciples, it's being followers of Christ. And so there was probably something about their character and something, something about their behavior that made them first to be called Christians in Antioch. You can't prove this in the Bible, but biblical scholars believe that this name was given as a, as a name of derision, as a name to make fun of these people. 
because they were different. In the same way that I've told you before, the name Methodist came about because John Wesley was very methodical about his religion and people made fun of him and he just took that name Methodist. And so I can't prove this scripturally, but there's biblical scholars that, that says every all three times that this name Christian is used, it's a reminder that that was not a good name. They were made fun of. And the fact that they're mostly called disciples kind of backs that up, and you don't have the name Christian very often. Uh, you can't have your identity with Christ, in Christ unless you identify lock, stock, and barrel with Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. Not just some generic God. There's, there's a whole lot of religions that have some gods. But it is the God of triune nature. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You identify with that God? When you call yourself a Christian, is that what you're meaning? You know, you see man in the street interviews sometimes. Somebody will have a camera and say, what's a Christian? And people will say all kinds of things. Uh, some will say that hypocrites. Some will, will say snobs. And some will say kind, loving, forgiving, compassionate. All those are wonderful things. I'm not putting any of that down. But that's not primarily what a Christian is. A Christian is a person who has put faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And any kindness, compassion, forgiveness flows out of who you are. The identity that I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and so the Bible says I'm a child of God, anything good I would do would flow out of that. It's not the other way around. And when you, when you read Scripture, especially the book of Ephesians, there'll be three whole chapters in the book of Ephesians where Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, this is who you are. You are foreigners. You are citizens of another country. You have been redeemed, on and on and on. And then the last three chapters, because this is true, this is how you should behave. Because you are, you do. That is profound found theology and a lot of the world gets that backwards we do so we will be something and that is not Christian theology Christian theology is you are so you do that's deep deep theological waters right there Acts chapter 26, verse 28 is another place where this word Christian, King Agrippa says to Apostle Paul after Paul's been talking with him, he says, do you really think that in such a short time you could persuade me to be a Christian? Second time that the word Christian is used in the Bible. Do you really think that in this short of a time you can persuade me to be a Christian? So what does it mean if you identify as a Christian, you really can't have your identity in Christ unless you identify as a Christian, what does it mean if you identify as a Christian? It means there was a time and a place that you were persuaded. You made a choice. You made a decision. You didn't just grow up into this. Now, you don't have to have a, 
a really dramatic August 29th, 1993, third row of the back, Calvary Baptist Church in Danville, Illinois, salvation like I did. Everybody don't have those, and I would commit a terrible sin if I put God in a box and said, everybody's got to do it. God's got to do it in everybody like he did it in me. I can't do that. But friends, there's a time that you aren't, and there's a time that you is. You get that? There's a time when you are not a believer, and there's a time when you become a believer. There's a time when you are not born again, and there's a time you become born again. There's a time when you have not experienced the new birth, and there's a time when you experience the new birth. Listen, because the world would spear me if they could. There's a time you are not a child of God, and there's a time you become a child of God. The world thinks everybody's a child of God. No, the Bible says you must be adopted by faith into his family. And that adoption comes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, friends, part of your identification as a Christian is not that you just grew into this, kind of like I grew into this extra 30 pounds right here. That just happened, man. Actually, my choices had something to do with that too, I guess. But there, comes, there, were, there was a time you were persuaded. And it may not have been lightning bolts and all that kind of stuff. And it may not have been an altar of prayer and all that kind of stuff. It may not have been any of that kind of thing for you. But if you identify as a Christian, it's important to know there's a time you weren't. And there's a time you was. Has that happened to you? Do you know what? You want me to really talk foolishness right now? Do you know you can come to church all your life, you can tithe, you can teach Sunday school and still go to hell? God help us. God help us. What I just said to most of the church world is blasphemy. But we nuts that are called evangelicals believe John 3, 3 that says you must be born again. And I'm not a Christian because my dad was. And I'm not a Christian because my mom was. And I'm not a Christian because I was raised in a Christian home. I'm a Christian because there was a day I was persuaded. There's a day I was I remember I was a basketball coach at Kellum High School in Virginia Beach, and this was before I got saved. Another one of the coaches, he was, a, he was assistant football coach, and I don't know what we were talking about in the hallway that day, but it had got to do something to do with the religion of Christianity, and I must have said something. Now, remember, I was raised in a Christian home, so I knew all the words. Okay? I pray, I've told you this, haven't I? I? I mean, I pray, and we're in the locker room getting ready to take the floor, and I pray, and I have the assistant coach look at me like, where did that come from? We didn't know you could do that. We've never seen that out of you in all the practices we've been having. And so this guy looked at me and goes, you a believer? And you know, I remember what my response was. He, go, he goes, uh, are you a believer? And I said, I was raised in a pastor's home. There's my response. Because I knew I wasn't a believer. But I was saying, well, sure, I was raised in a pastor's home. Can you hear me, friends, boys, girls, people listening on the Internet? There's a time you become persuaded. 
And if you identify as a Christian, that is part of that identity. And if that has never happened to you, well, Mark, I've, I've been in the church 10, 15, 20 years, and what would people think? You see, you, you see who your identity is in? What would people think? What would people think? One more passage where the word Christian appears, and it's 1 Peter chapter 4. There's four verses here, and the word Christian doesn't appear to the very end, okay? Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. I don't know what the fiery ordeal in the context doesn't really tell you. But it said, hey, you're going through hard times as a Christian. Don't get freaked out. I get people all the time wondering there must be something wrong with their Christian life because they're going through difficult times. I feel like that guy on the on the on the marriage thing goes no that's about right (laughs) and he says don't get all freaked out because you're going through a hard time you live in this fallen world like everybody else does don't get be surprised in the fiery ordeal ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, if you're made fun of, if people look at you cross-eyed, you are blessed. Now that doesn't mean that you've tried to be a super-duper spiritual person in front of them and but no it just as you go along working out your identity as a christian in the workplace if somebody looks at you and gets insulted or looks at you cross-eyed or looks at you and just pushes back on that don't be freaked out they killed jesus they're not going to kill you you may if you live in a muslim country they're not going to kill you. We don't suffer. We don't struggle with any real suffering in the United States of America. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Verse 15, if you suffer, now listen, if you suffer, it should not be because you sinned. So if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or a criminal or somebody that's been sticking their nose in other people's business. Paul said, this is, Peter said, this is not what I'm talking about on fiery ordeal. If you're going through that fiery ordeal, you caused it. However, if you suffer as a Christian, there's our word. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. There's identity. That you bear that name. So here's where rubber meets the road in identity. Okay. We don't, we don't go through any really hard times in the United States of America, but somebody may look at us cross-eyed, and the other people at work may not accept us, and they may make fun of us, and they may think that we're snobbish because we don't hang out and listen to the same jokes that they do. And that's probably just a tiny, wee, wee bit of suffering. Rejoice that you bear that name. And at that moment, 
When they push back, where's your identity going to be? Are you going to back up a little bit and, and listen to that joke and thus move your identity back this way? As a Christian, move it back this way and move that identity of other people in front of your identity as a Christian? Because, you know, you don't want to be rude. You, 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 you want to go along. See, the rubber meets the road in identity. Not in here. That's easy in here, isn't it? Not in here. The rubber meets the road is when you're out there and somebody pushes back a little bit. When I was a, my last few years as a school teacher before I left for the ministry, I wouldn't go into the teacher's lounge because let me tell you, there's nothing going on in the teacher's lounge that was going to help me as a Christian. They're going to complain about their students, about the administrators, and about parents and about how much they get paid. I just didn't want to hear it. It wasn't going to help me. And I sure didn't want to get drugged down in the mud of complaints because that would have not been a good witness for Jesus. So I stayed away from the teacher's lounge. And I, I don't know this to be a fact, but I imagine some people says, you know, that Atherton guy sticks to himself, don't you? Probably think, you know, he's, he's tough stuff, isn't he? Too good for us. I don't, I don't know that that happened, but I always wondered. If, you, if your identity is in Jesus first, you'll, you'll, you'll get pushed back on a little bit. People, I hate to even call it suffering, because it's not, but people will look at you cross-eyed, and people will push on you a little bit, and, and that's when your real identity comes forth. It's easy to say that Christian is first in here, but right there when you get that pushback, does that Christian move back three or four places and what other people think go right to the very start? They were first called Christians at Antioch. It means you identified lock, stock, and barrel with Jesus and his work and who he was, the only begotten son, and no one comes to the Father except through him. That Jesus, that is, that is who we identify with. I couldn't give a rip if you identify with the Nazarene church or not. Come on. And any Baptist or Presbyterian worth his salt would say the same thing about his church. Do you identify with Jesus? Have you been persuaded? And if you are identifying with Jesus, there has to be a time you persuaded. You just didn't show up one day and morph into a Christian. And if anybody pushes back on you, open that. smile and rejoice for bearing that name. So I don't know who's in here and who's listening on the internet, but man, if you've, if you've never been persuaded, cross that line today. Well, my, 
My wife's been thinking I was a Christian all along. Who cares what your wife thinks? This is heaven or hell stuff. Well, my mom, you know, they, she, I was baptized when I was eight. and my, my, Where's your identity? Just come as you are. Just come as you are. And let Jesus do a work in you. Let him name you as his son, as his adopted daughter, as his adopted child. And then live out that identity. Because identity determines behavior. We've been bought with a price. And that's why we come to the table every Sunday to remember we've been purchased. We've been purchased. We've been redeemed because of what Jesus did for you and did for me. Father, this is the old, old story and I told it a different way today. And I pray for that person that is prideful right now, that needs to drop that pride and forget about what everybody thinks of him or her. They need to cross that line of decision. They need to become persuaded. Lord, I pray for those of us who are Christians, and we know we're Christians, but we struggle keeping all that, the roles we play in the right order and if we're honest, we see that Christian does not always not stay at that first place. Remind us when that happens and let, let us correct it real quickly. And may we live out of who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.